All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 243 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. And today, our panel consists of Daniel Wheeze. Hello. 69 Blizzard Ken. Hello. And Marcus Almighty Mark. Gentlemen, Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of the KISS FAQ Podcast. Um, let's just get into some news. And this week, I guess the big news is Peter Chris Miami signing um, for the pre-cruise event at the Holiday Inn. Let's make this very clear. There are two events happening in Miami as part of the pre-cruise festivities, neither of which I'll be attending, you bastards. Um, one is at the Radisson, organized by Joe D'Angelo. We've had him on the podcast uh, with updates. Uh, which will have Ace Freely, Sebastian Bach, a whole bunch of so much. I mean, you got to find him on Facebook. Um, and then Andy and his living in sin at the Holiday Inn gets Peter. So we don't get a bad boys reunion, but uh, both of them will be there, so that's very cool. Um, I think we'll probably have some updates on that. Uh, Peter Chris appearance. Hopefully in the next week or so with details about it. And if not, you can look it up on Facebook for the official word from those who actually know something rather than me. Um, any other news in Kiss World? Yeah, the samples of Paul, Sta- Paul Stanley's Backstage Pass are now available for reading on the iBook platform. Um, it starts off with a very brutal line. But context is everything. You've got to read it rather than just react to any screen captures of that first line and paragraph or everything. I'm actually very interested in this book now. Um, it should be interesting. The, I think it was 32 pages uh, were available in the in, in the sample, so uh, two chapters worth should give you a good idea. Finally, Indie Expo. My book order is in. So the exclusive printing of of uh, On Tour, End of the Road, Leg like One, 100 copies, only available at Indie, um, is finalized. So no doubt they'll release some more box scores over the next few days, and then I'll be annoyed. But um, I can't do anything about it to report it, but ended up being a 76-page book. Um, which if you were part of this first leg, maybe it'll be a nice commemorative for you. All right, let's get into some uh, recent purchases. Anyone bought any Kiss shit lately? Yeah, I did. What'd you get, Ken? Well, uh, firstly, the other day came in the mail is the, is there number one Ah. issues of the new Kiss comic book, the end of the road thing. Um, So they have multiple, more covers than this. And I just, I like these two, and so I got picked those up. And then today in the mail, and it's funny, is I thought I thought I forgot to order it, so I, I'm going to have a second one coming now because <laughs> um, I ordered again. But anyway, I got the uh, ah. the, the 45th and, you know, now, anniversary. Have you, ha, have you opened it to check how good your marbling effect yeah, is? Because I've seen yeah, a lot of you. threads. I saw Tom's photo, yeah. and it's like one tiny little pellet of black. 
And I'm like, okay, that's pathetic. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, mine wasn't uh, is not too bad. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, but it's it has some more. I guess a little bit more. That looks uh, better than know. the ones I've seen. Yeah, that, that, been, that looks marbly to me. I mean, maybe I've seen real marble and other people haven't, but yeah. Okay. So I have another one coming because again. I, I couldn't find that I ordered it, and so I thought I didn't order it. So then I placed another order, so that'll be coming probably next week, I'm going to guess. Um, but, yeah, the, the cover is a nice um, – it's flat. It's flat. It's not the, the glossy cover. The matte it's cover? A, it's Yeah, matte. That's right. Uh, and, oh, what I did, too, is I took the sticker that was on the, on the outside shrink wrap, and I put it on here. Since I knew I was going to have a second one coming, the other one's not going to, I'm not going to do that, but I put that hype sticker there, mm-hmm. and then I put the other sticker that was a limited edition, which is also on the shrink wrap there, so, but the other one I'm, I'm going to leave intact, more or less. So, you, you basically vandalized it. You know, I don't know, I just thought, you know what, I... I I didn't know where else to put it because they they put in a nice you know the rice paper mark you know they they did that oh, right um, at least time. they did something but there's nothing else on the inside I mean they, it would have been nice if they like put a lyric sheet or something yeah I don't know why it doesn't dawn on people to do this stuff it's like I don't yeah. know come on maybe I expect too much it's it's a low budget operation come on. It, <laughs> Vinyl has become basically a gouging point because it does not cost that yeah. much. Actually, maybe Jason can correct us because he works in the industry. But uh, I'd be very surprised if it's not all about the markups being an absolutely outrageous markup for modern vinyl pressings, especially yeah. when a lot of them are sourced from shitty quality. You know. well, let, let's put it, well, let's put it this way. If I can afford to put in a single-page sheet, uh, anti-static sleeve, a poster, and all kinds of stuff, and still give it to you for like thirty bucks. And these guys are selling it for almost the same price with nothing in it. What does that tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it tells you a lot. <laughs> or, or that they're pressing more copies of theirs than you are of yours. Yeah, but still, it, that's, that's why they're making a bunch more money. But, but yeah. again, economy, economy versus, of scale. I guess there is no yeah. excuse. I just know yeah. I, I feel better buying something from Mark, to be honest, than Universal. But that's always the same. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather buy a friend's music product than uh, anything. All right, so I went to Record Store Day for the first time ever. I've never Ooh. gone because um, I hate going there. And I all I bought was the new, oh, nice. the new Ace Frehley. The, what is this, the 89th version of this fucking album? So, um, yeah, but it looks good, yeah. Ken. Yours is in the post. I love saying that. Um, also got, this is more interesting to me, a copy of The Elder from Portugal. So oh, nice. it comes with a dust sleeve that's like the gatefold. Right. It is not a gatefold. And it's got the original mix of the album on it as well, which is even more interesting. So, just uh, really lame. Um, last bit on me is, uh, by the way, Justin C is the winner of the Classic Rock Mag giveaway from the last episode. So congratulations. Thank you to everyone who entered. I screwed everything up by creating a new website for the uh, for the podcast. So there were delays in that going into like iTunes, Stitcher, Podchaser, and all those other places where it seems quite a lot of people do actually listen to it through there. So I do apologize. Um, can't get those to easily update. Daniel, you bought any Kiss shit lately? 
Well, I, I usually go to the local library uh, when they sell out um, this magazine. Uh, it's the um, one that uh, Carl Linnaeus writes for. He's been on the show a few times. And uh, he always writes a, a lot of interesting KISS uh, articles. So I go there and I buy like 12 of these for, I don't know, 10 bucks. And, oh, wow. uh, and uh, flip, flip, uh, and look through them. There are some pretty cool pictures, but, mm -hmm. and this one from last tour. And a good article by Carl once again. So I uh, I'm reading those. I've never read a bad article by Carl, so no, no, he mm -hmm. knows his shit and asks the good questions. So, all power to the Scandinavian Kiss Army. All right, Mark, I guess uh, I do need to just finish this segment up with: Have you bought anything by Kiss lately, or was your shopping basket nothing but other bands for a record store day? Um, I didn't buy any Kiss stuff, um, mainly because. Uh, when I looked through the list this year, there was a few things that surprisingly caught my eye. So I, you know, being a man of, you know, limited means at some point in the in the month, um, I had to kind of focus on a few things that I would want. So I got the David Bowie pinups pic picture disc. I was really wanted. I'm a big Bowie guy, and uh, I got the um, what was the other picture disc I got? I just told you guys too. Rush. Oh yeah, the Rush. The Rush Hemisphere. How, how can I forget that? How does a Canadian forget Rush? That's just yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's that's, just, that's yeah. very strange. It must, it must be something in my water today. Um, so yeah, I got the Rush Hemispheres, the 40th anniversary picture disc. Doesn't sound very good, but it looks good. And being a Rush fan, you know, I gotta have it anyways, right? And plus, I have much better copies to listen to, anyways. Exactly. And then of course, the big buy for me was the the uh, I think it's the 50th anniversary of the debut. Yes album came out mm -hmm. on orange vinyl and that sounds really 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 good. Kevin Gray did it. Mm. He remastered it so it sounds fantastic and uh I, I just very much enjoyed playing that over the last couple of days. So th those have been my big purchases. Nice. So let's get into today's topic which um we're just about coming up to the 40th anniversary of Dynasty. As Paul Stanley <laughs> loves mm -hmm. to say. Dynasty, um, 19, originally released in May 1979. This was Kiss's first album then in two, nearly two years. Um, with the release of Love Gun, they'd obviously gone into Live 2, then Double Platinum and the solo albums. So one of the things that you noticed from reviews at the time was that it really was the return of Kiss, that it was almost like Kiss had been away. The rumor mill had abounded with, uh, you know, rumors of a split happening um even in a lot of the reviews of dynasty there they mentioned that rumors of peter chris being eased out as the band <laughs> decides to take a a more kind of musical approach uh, like leaning into dance territory in which case peter's drumming skills had been deemed unsuitable um, are, are kind of mentioned. I mean, there's a Montreal review that says exactly that, and Rolling Stone magazine did the same. But in terms of your own personal histories, and we've heard Ken's a lot, so I'm going to go to him last. Um, what do you recall about the first time you experienced Dynasty or material from it as a fan? And obviously three of us on this panel are kind of, uh, well... 
asylum guys, so eeny, meeny, miny, Daniel. Uh, well, <laughs> as you as you said, I, I started off with asylum and animal eyes and then worked my way back. Uh, like, click it up. Uh, but then I remember getting Dynasty and Unmasked somewhere around the same time. And, and uh didn't like the sound of them at all. So, so I, it was never one of my favorites. Uh, I was actually surprised now. I listened through it for the first time in like a decade, maybe, uh, the other day. And I was surprised. It was a lot better than I remembered. So I, I, it was... Uh, I liked almost every song on the album now, so I don't know what happened, but uh, I, I guess it has something to do with the production, uh, you know, it's sounding so soft compared to the uh, early to mid-80s Kiss albums. Mark, how about you? What do you recall of the first time and when you first heard this album? Well, when I first heard it, actually, um, I was pretty young because my sister, who's, like I mentioned dozens of times on this show, She's about six, seven years older than I am. So um, when Dynasty came out, she bought it and it was in the house. And I would have been like six years old at that point. So I I do remember that I Was Made For Loving You was played in my house a lot. I don't remember it much else because that song was constantly played by my sister. Years later, when I was getting back into Kiss when I was much older, um, it was the record that when I first put it on again, I kind of had like a startling effect to hearing I Was Made For Loving You Again. It's like, oh no, that's that song that my sister used to always play. And so I was kind of like, oh no, not this record. But once I kind of listened to it, it started growing on me. And then now, much later, after I started getting into record production and making stuff like that, this is actually a record that's in my top five easily. I really like this record. And I know Daniel said that he doesn't really like it because of the production of it being kind of soft, but... I really love the production on this because to me, every time I close my eyes and listen to it, it just reminds me of New York City for some reason, this album. It has such a New York vibe to me. I, I really love, love this record. And before before we do the third Asylum guy, um, Ken? <laughs> yeah, I'm not the Asylum guy. Um, Someone yeah. who was actually there and I know, was really, there. Re- really remembers the sequence of, I guess, going from Love Gun Alive 2 into The Return of Kiss. I mean, we can, yeah, we, I... we can never go back to that experience, what you must have felt when you first heard it. Yeah, well, I went from, you know, I started with Alive 2 and, and then uh, I started, you know, getting the back catalog then um, of, of Kiss and then I had... The double platinum. Then I the solo albums, you know, happened, and uh, obviously that was very diverse in <laughs> in music styles, and whether some are hard rocking and some are very not, you know, not hard rocking. They're you know pop. So uh, it, it didn't shock me too much. So when I got Dynasty on the day on the day it came out, I got it, pulled it right out of the carton at the record store before it was on the shelf took it home uh and yeah i remember playing it um and we know the story i played side two first and and uh i had my friends were there with me and i was blaring it from all the way from like a there's like a l-shaped uh a hallway right and my room was there all the way at the end and i had my record blasting all the way down from my room out of the hallway into this other uh, like uh, 
you know, living room area where we were playing video games on the TV. <laughs> uh, my, it's, luckily, my mom didn't mind, you know. <laughs> She, she let me do that kind of stuff, so which was, was, was very cool. Um, but uh, I heard the first song that I heard was Charisma, um, <laughs> since I played side two. And I thought, you know, I thought this is, it was, it rocked. Yeah, it was a different kind of production, more, uh, 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 you know, was slicker production than, you know, their, their raw type of, production maybe a rock and roll over or something like that so uh but I, I still enjoyed it and again i listened to all different kinds of music you know from you know, you know pop to heavy stuff so it didn't bother me again as, as long as the music was good that that's what mattered and uh, so no shock and i i enjoyed it quite a bit i'm curious had you heard i was made on the radio prior I, to actually down? yeah i can tell you a story uh we were going to, again, I was on the freeway. I can't even remember where we were on the freeway. And off over the radio, they were, they were announcing that they were going to play a song and, and see if anybody could guess who was the artist. And the radio station, it was an AM station. And then they played it, and and I was like, wait a minute, that sounds pretty I, I didn't even recognize it as Kiss. Uh, being, I was like, but I recognize the voice. I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds so familiar to me. It's like, why am I not placing it? You know, um, and it turned out to be it was Kiss. And I'm like, oh, I said, yeah, that's it, that's Paul. And uh, so I thought, what the heck are they doing? Where are they? You know, what are they doing <laughs> this music for? I thought that was kind of like you know surprising to me um you know i was hoping they weren't going to do a, a whole album of that music fortunately they didn't so but yeah that that was the first time i heard it and then i bought the single i'll just talk about that real quick i bought the single for i was made for love you but i ended up playing the the b side a lot more than the a side i was playing which was hard times um so i love that song i thought oh this is really good <laughs> you know and uh, so i ended up playing that one more than i was made for love you right so i don't remember where this falls into my discovery of the band just that i bought it pretty soon after becoming a fan because again i was buying albums by album covers that were cool so and the thing that yeah. stood out, you know, once you've got a live and double platinum, which had more songs in it, then you start looking at the cool covers. And this, to me, has always been a cool cover. And from the moment I heard I Was Made for Loving You, which I don't recall ever hearing from moving to America in 1979, you know, again, I've always told that story of the talent show when people were playing, you know, Black Diamond and Deuce dressed up in tights and tinfoil. I don't have any recollection of any material from this album before I started discovering the band in 85 86 so from the first time i heard that album i i fell in love with it even though it was very different than you know previous albums i thought the production really stood out as being better than love gun uh, mm-hmm. as and to this day i think there's more dynamics in the band's sound and it's just beautifully produced beautifully mastered and mixed um mm-hmm that's always been the thing that really stood out even as a rock album it was just 
so well balanced. It's like everything Crazy Nights could have been without polishing the edge off the song. They still had attitude. They still had edge. And at the time, I didn't know anything about any of that side of things. It was just the songs were cool. I Was Made For Loving You was like really different. Um, but it was very catchy. And as someone who, mm-hmm. I guess, came into Kiss after listening to Duran Duran, Men at mm-hmm. Work, and more melodic stuff, um, it, it worked just fine. So... That's all I recall. I mean, I, I have no idea where it actually fits into like my top ten of Kiss albums, or if it's even in there. But it's really fun. Daniel, let's talk about the singles. I was made for loving you was the first single came out in May '79, followed by Sure Knows Something, and then in some markets, the fi- there was a third single, Dirty Living. Um, Germany just flipped them around and reissued it in November. Do you think those were the right singles in the right order, or? would you have released a different single? Well, it's really just a matter of taste, but uh, I think they uh, picked the correct one when they started off with I Was Made For Loving You. Uh, If you think about it, Kiss haven't had that many hits around the world. Uh, At least most of them have been like ballads, you know, forever hit the top 10 in America and Beth was a big hit but uh, uh, I Was Made For Loving You isn't uh, a ballad I, I think it's very special because there's, there's something that, there's something about the chorus you know it's so catchy and you remember it instantly so it's a perfect radio song and uh, even though I could do without the keyboards and the, the flash effect or whatever you can call it you know that little <laughs> sound uh, you should listen to the live three version instead when you have bombs going off. It's yeah, that's you know always it's the Stanley Cup now. It's in the NHL and I watched that and and sometimes I was made for loving you comes on mm. and I always think the same thing and that is man if they could play the live three version it would rock but you know that keyboards uh, and 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 the flash thing really. D- I, I can't stand it. So you you talk about Dinosaur being so well produced and well balanced, and, uh, but it's very 70s sounding, of course. Uh, and as someone who started off in the 80s, I have I have some problems with with some of the sound effects on this album. But but more on that later, I, I think. But but I think it was the correct choice. And that uh, song, I don't know. There's, they're really. I would maybe have picked Magic Touch uh, because I think that that would go over well on the radio as well. Uh, but sure, no, something isn't a bad pick either. Awesome, Ken. What about you for singles and their order? Yeah, well, it makes sense. Uh, but <laughs> if it was me, I would have went a different route. Um, you know, because I think he turned away a lot of. I mean, he may have gained some fans for a little while there with "I Was Made for Loving You," but I think they turned away a lot of fans uh, with "I Was Made for Loving You," um, and especially releasing it as a the leadoff single. Uh, that kind of sometimes you'll hear the leadoff single of a of a of a group, and you just just that one song. It's either uh, make or break. If it's if you don't like it. You're not going to buy the album, even though you don't know what the hell is on the rest of the album. You, you might not buy it. Give it a chance. 
Um, you don't have MP3s that you can, you know, look preview to, like you do today. Back then, you didn't have that kind of thing. So I would have chosen Charisma as the number one lead-off single. Uh, may may have not done well. Who knows? Uh, it's more in the Doctor Love vein of things, you know. And that did okay, right? Uh, but uh, and then the beast, the second song I would choose, kind of like Daniel, uh, Magic Touch. I think that's a real great, you know, really good song, and it's, I think it's very radio friendly. Um, uh, so I wouldn't have chosen "I Was Made for Loving You" or "Show No Something." So I think "I Was Made" was a great attention grabber after a long layoff. Oh, you know, it, yeah. but it's also a double-edged sword. When people are saying "Kiss Goes Disco," here's the new single by Kiss. Some people may have had the um, impression mm-hmm. that it was going to be a whole album of Ki- yeah. of a Kiss disco songs, um, and it was also, I guess, kind of too late at that point because you had what was it? The uh, backlash, the disco smashing thing in Chicago. I mean, wasn't that in '79 as well? And, and you already so. had, you know, there were other issues along with this occurring at the same time. Polygram had shut down Casablanca's overshipments of albums, so they probably wouldn't have wanted to risk anything. I thought that if, logically, the New York Groove having been a hit single from mm. the, the solo albums that they would have let off, if okay. not, you know, with 2000 Men which, again, plays on the same thing, covers. Uh, remember also that they had planned on issuing a third single off Alive 2, Any Way You Want It, was considered to be mm-hmm. released. That would have made it kind of three covers in a row that have been kissified, and then follow it up with I Was Made For Loving You as the modern sound of Kiss, but we're going to make sure you know it's a rock album first, so I think where you pick Charisma, the same thing applies. Get a rock song out there first to prove to the band, yeah. you know, prove to the fans that the band is still rocking, and then hit them with a you know, the new sound of Kiss, maybe setting a trend for the future to see mm. how it does. Uh, you know, regardless, they got it right. It was a hit single. Sure enough, yeah. something d- did nothing. So whether that was just a reaction to Kiss at the time, and again, a lot of reviews at the time say kind of get the feeling that Kiss had been doing the same thing over and over and over, you know, just with slight changes to the costumes here and there, and people are starting to get a bit burned out by them, regardless of Kiss having been off the road for two years. Um, you know, a, a, I don't think Sure Knows Something was a great single. That was a little, probably a little bit too much in the direction of what, AOR, as it was called. Yeah. Um, mm. A little bit too safe, too saccharine, and that's why I wouldn't have gone with Magic Touch either. Mark, mm. what, what are your thoughts on singles? Um, well, I think that I was made for loving you. As much as I don't really like the song, I think it was the right single to put out. Again, it was an attention grabber. And one interesting thing that I got, like an interesting perspective on this, talking back to my sister about this, when she got the album, and she said that when that album came out, all in her school, every girl that she knew was buying that record because of that single. Like that song, mm-hmm. she said, went over big with the female branch of the Kiss fans, you know? So I think what probably happened there was, you know, that song might not have struck a chord too much with some of the guys, but it definitely struck a big chord with the female audience too, right? 
and maybe it also struck an audience, struck a chord with the younger, like the the kids too. Maybe who knows, right? But I know that my sister said that every girl that she knew back in the day in school was buying that record for more than any other Kiss album beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that might have been a good uh, selection because of that. Because you know, let's let's face it, that kind of dance music is popular with girls too, right? So. And, you know, if you get Paul Stanley out there doing his thing, then maybe it might have even helped even a little bit more, right? So uh, I think that on that end of it, it was probably a wise choice to, to put it out as the first single. Um, second single, I like Sure Know Something, but I agree with you guys. I would have probably did Magic Touch over that. I think it's a better song, in my opinion. It's still one of those songs that I never understood why they never played it live, because it's such a great song. They should have used it live you know, for years now, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But um, I think that, you know, the first single was was a good idea and obviously worked out in their favor. Um, second single, I would have changed it. I would have I would have used Magic Touch. Danny, what about the track order? I mean, how does that work for you? I mean, obviously, we're all comfortable with it, you know, as we've had the album for decades. You've got I Was Made For Loving You as the first song on side A, and then you've got Charisma, I believe, Ken, as the first song on side B. How does that all work? Will you make any changes to it, or is it just pointless? Well, um, uh, I Was Made For Loving You, as it was the lead single, I think it was a wise decision to start off the record with that one. Then I guess, I think 2000 Man is the second song, and that seems to me like you, you were talking about, uh, Julian, that they tried to repeat the success of New York Groove. They picked a, a, a sing uh, a cover and had a sing it and uh, maybe hope for some success. Uh, I would have put another track in, in the second spot, as 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 we know, most Kiss albums have a one-two punch in the beginning, and I would have picked something a bit. Uh, maybe more up-tempo, and uh, I actually liked another A song on the album uh, that aren't completely wasted at the end of the album. It's called Save Your Love, but I've heard some rumors that the other guys, they don't like that song, but but uh, I like it, Save Your Love. Uh, I, I might, might have put that in, in the second spot because I think it's a great A song, and one of the few good, great A solos on this album, because that's another thing I, I think this album lacks a bit. Uh, there's really no classic A solos that I hear, at least. Uh, you know, if, if, if you think about Ace's solos, you think about the early albums. Uh, you can hum along with them. There aren't too many solos on this album that you can hum along to. So that's one thing that I, I think this album lacks. But Save Your Love has a solo that I remember and can hum. And that's usually a sign of a, a good solo. Nice. Ken, what about you? Well, you've already got an alternative track listing, don't you? When you flip the album around and play it backwards. Yeah. And you're on mute. Again. Am I? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, well, the deal is, yes, I did play side two first, and, uh, and actually, 
that's how I would arrange the, the album for the most part. I would have side two as really side one. And then actually on uh, For I Was Made For Loving You, I would I would have put that as the last song on the album. You have everything else, all the rock stuff, and then, oh, here's that new style we're going to just throw at you and try at the end here. I put I Was Made For Loving You at the end. Uh, I just think that track order would have worked better. Uh, just my opinion. Uh, start off with the rock and stuff. Um, I actually like side two anyway than side one. Uh, I, you know, with because side one, you have well, you have four songs. You have I Was Made for Loving You, uh, 2000 Man, Shirt sure on Something, right? And Dirty Living. So, Side two is, a, to me, a, a better side, much better side. And uh, again, I was made for loving you. I think should be the last song on the album. That's how I would have done it. Sorry, just got an email of uh, tour <laughs> dates. So I'm wondering if this is real. December the 8th, Pensacola. Osaka, December the 12th. Nagoya, December 13th. Kanazawa, 15th, Tokyo 17th, Ken, San Francisco 28th. 20th December? 28th, which would probably be the new Chase Center. Um, because oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> 30th, Sao Paulo. There's something weird with that, but we'll wait and see. Um, so, interesting. The Chase Center. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. God, completely. They're not completely, done building it, guys. <laughs> completely unconfirmed, uh, but that just jumped out at me. So, <laughs> Mark. Yes. What about for you in terms of the, the the tracking of this CD or album? Sorry, it's an album. Well, well <laughs> this is one of those things that I love doing on here, just rearranging it in the way that I would have put it out. And I would have probably redid a lot of it actually so my order would have been i would have started it with magic touch i think that to me is still the best song on the record i would have opened the record with that um then i would have put i was made for loving you after it you know not put the single too far away from it uh i would have put dirty living third i really like that song i think it's a uh, not a bad song to have on side a and i would have moved x-ray eyes over as the last song on side a um i don't think it's as bad as people say it is um, but still not a fantastic song by any stretch. Uh, side 2, I would have opened with Charisma. I think it's a great opening song. Then I would have put 2000 Man after it. Then I would have put Save Your Love third. And I would have put uh, Sure No Something as fourth on the side and then close with Hard Times. So I know it's really ace-heavy on side 2, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the flow of that. I, I did it in my iTunes and just took a listen to it, and it has an interesting... Uh, flow to it when you listen to it in that way so uh, I, I kind of like it that way yeah you know i can't put a revisionist hat on for this and really change much for it i just think going back to what i said about the singles i would do with the album and not have i was made for loving you as the lead track on side one which most normal people would play first ken um just so just so that their their first experience of the album isn't something different even though i, I you know again i i don't think i was made for loving you is that outrageous i you know i can't even call it disco rock or you know any of the stuff that uh, 
It's it's danceable and a little bit disco. more rhythmic, but I, I it's not full on disco. I don't mm. think calling it a disco song's fair uh, to disco, to be perfectly honest. So <laughs> I think I would have just put something like Hard Times as the first song on the album, something rocking, something kind of abrasive and more mm. what most fans would have been expecting. And then hit them with the one-two punch. So maybe just, for that matter, just flip the first two songs, put 2,000 Man first, and then go into I Was Made for Loving You, um, and and then just replace Sure Know Something with something else, maybe another one of Peter's songs, just get rid of it. It's just too syrupy. I know, again, we'll talk more about that song individually as we do the rankings. So that's the next part of this show is borrowing from our good friends at the lipstick panel ranking the album by in order from favorite or in in order from least favorite least to favorite. most favorite um a point value will be assigned to each song and then we'll add up everyone's and average them and decide what the KISS FAQ panel's rating of this album was. So, Mark, why don't we start with your song selection is from least favorite to most favorite. Okay, so we're going to go through all of them then? Yeah, just list all ten. Okay. So, least favorite was I Was Made For Loving You. Then next one is Save Your Love. Number seven was X-Ray Eyes. Number six is 2000 Man. Number five is Dirty Living. Number four is Hard Times. Number three is Sure Know Something. Number two is Charisma. And number one is Magic Touch. So Magic Touch is your favorite song on the album, huh? Yeah. Okay. Daniel, how about you? And you're on mute. Should we take number 10 from each guy first and then number 9, number 8? You want to do them all at once? Do them all at once because then we're going oh, okay. dis- to discuss them song by song as we'll we count forever. down the panel. No one will remember this, but number 10, X-Ray Eyes. Num- no, not number 10. Number 9. nine. No, yeah, number, number 10. 10 yeah. <laughs> number, number 8, Dirty Living. Seven two thousand man uh, sure know something in sixth place. Then hard times. I was made for loving you. Save your love. Magic touch and charisma. So charisma is Daniel's favorite song on this album. Yeah. All right, Ken. Your ten songs in order. <laughs> number ten is the is a mystery song. <laughs> number nine. Let's go Beatles. Number nine. Insert your number nine. title here. Um, number nine. Save your love. Number eight, X-ray eyes. Number seven, two thousand man. Number six, dirty living. Number five, sure know something. Number four, I was made for loving you. Number three, hard times. Number two, magic touch. And number one is charisma. Nice. There's a there's a shock. All right, so I had <laughs> actually screwed up here. And I had to fix that, so thank you all for your patience. Mine were least favorite, least favorite, Magic Touch. What? What? Ooh. Ooh. Hiss, hiss. Followed um, by Hard Times. Oh, uh, what? Dirty Living. Sure Know Something. X-Ray Eyes. I Was Made for Loving You. 
2000 man. Number two is Charisma. And my favorite of favorites, my favoritist, Save Your Love. So Wow. You can now all call me an idiot. Well, what's new, Buzz? Um, That's there, all right. There we go. So <laughs> as we do the math on this, we're going to count down from least favorite to most favorite and talk about each one of these songs. Uh, to, okay. This represents the KISS FAQ panel, and it's completely unbiased, unweighted. Completely correct. In ninth place, our least favorite song on Dynasty, X-Ray Eyes. Daniel. Yeah, X-Ray Eyes. I think the chorus is pretty good, but uh, there are a few things that you know, aren't that good on this song. For example, they play piano during the verses. It really doesn't fit the song. And they try, uh, I guess at the time it was high tech, some sort of laser effect uh, that comes over and over again in the, the song. X-ray. Really, yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't sound that cool. Uh, so, so I don't think the, I don't, do you call it the production of the song or something like that? It doesn't stand the test of time. Uh, the chorus is okay but i think it's just a lazy gene song nothing special um nothing happens it's yeah it's okay it's better than i remembered it and uh, you can hear anton fig playing the drums at times uh towards the end there's a drum fill that i've never heard peter chris being close to doing so 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 you you can really hear that peter chris isn't on this song but it's an okay song, not too bad. So what you're saying is it puts the gene in generic. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I, I think I had this one rated the highest, so I'm just going to say nothing about it other than I really do like the vault version of the demo. Ken, X-Ray Eyes. X-Ray Eyes. Uh, yeah, it was on my lower end, though. It's not a bad song. I mean, the whole, all the songs are, there's no bad song on the album. Um, but you know, we got to rank them somehow. Um, but extra eyes. Yeah. I think Gene had some better material that he probably could have used. Um, I'm I know he has had better material that he could have used instead of this song. Um, but having said that, it's a, it's a, it's a good song. Like Daniel said, it has a good chorus. I actually like the effect that Daniel didn't like that little, I always imagine like someone's taking a, you know, an X-ray of somebody (laughs) or something. Anyway, uh, I I don't know. Uh, Of their eyes, they probably will get be blinded too if it's X-ray in their eyes. But anyway, um, a good song. Uh, I can see why it's you know one of the lower end songs. You know, it's lower on my list too. Mark, how about you? And uh, we're, we're okay. You weren't. You actually ranked it higher than Ken and Daniel, uh, but not quite as good as me. Yeah, well, I, I don't mind it. I mean, it's not Gene's worst song ever written, but, you know, he only submitted two songs for the record, and to think that these were his best two, I'd be really shocked mm-hmm. if they were. But, um, you know, the chorus is good. Uh, the piano, I agree with Daniel, I, it doesn't really doesn't really suit it too much i think it would have been better off without the piano in there and uh you know the 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 crazy x-ray effect there i I could i could do without as well so um but you know 
it it's it's okay. I mean, he it has some good singing from Gene. I always thought that Gene sounded like his the tone of his voice is really good on this record. I almost kind of wish that there was another song that he would have did on this record because mm-hmm. I thought that his voice was in fine form at this point. So it's kind of a shame that we only get two songs. Yeah, he gets away from the Cookie Monster vocals on this and starts singing again, which r- really helps. I mean. You know, X, X-ray eyes is okay. I, I have it in the middle of mine, just because again, there's only two Gene songs on this album, so you know it, it's pretty good. All right, let's move on to in eighth place, Dirty Living. And for me, when you think of the four songs that Peter had recorded in December '78, um, Out of Control, Rumble, Dirty Living, and There's Nothing Better. I think there's better songs, and Peter really, this is one album where Peter should have had two songs on it, because some of those, you know, Out of Control would have absolutely been fantastic as a Kiss song and made it a 10-song album that's not under 40 minutes in length. So Dirty Living just kind of falls down there in the bottom half for me by default, because I, I really think there is that much stuff on the album that is stronger, not that Dirty Living isn't a good song. I love it. I think it's a great stylistic contrast to the other material. And I think it's probably as kind of dancey in the same sense that I Was Made for Loving You is with what they did for it. And they didn't stray too far from his original demo. So um, I I feel bad it's ranked so low, but I guess in, in every Kiss album, it's a very narrow margin between top half and bottom half. Ken, thoughts on that? When I when I um, first um, got the album and listened to it, I, I didn't really care for Dirty Living that much. Um, <clears throat> over the years, it, it's grown on me, and I I think it's a pretty darn good song, actually. Uh, I enjoy it whenever I hear it. Um, I know there's the... I do have that extended single uh, of the Dirty Living, which is the more dance type mix and little, you know, it's a long, a little bit longer, which is cool. It worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked all right. Worked out all right. But, uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty good song and it's a good, it's a great vocal by Peter Chris, uh, really good vocal and his drumming seemed fine on it too. So it's a good song. Yep. Only song on which he does drum. Daniel thoughts on dirty living. Yeah, have you looked at my notes? Because I, I've written also "Out of Control" instead, because I think that was a, a, a better, a better song. Uh, but this is okay as well. This one and "X-Ray Eyes" are the two that aren't top-notch to me. Um, the rest of the songs are really good. But uh, I think, as Ken said, really good vocals from from Peter. Uh, I like the kind of strange bass line during. Uh, the chorus, he goes down, Gene, and, do, and does something. <laughs> Sounds kind of cool. And uh, But overall, the, the song is it's not evolving that much. It's uh, kind of, like I said, too simple and without finesse and too long. I mean, the final minute of the song is just the same thing, repeating itself over and over again almost. So I think they should have made it shorter. And what I do like in the song is the classic ace, how do you say it, vibrato, you know, the vibrato, 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 yeah. Uh, So that's kind of cool in the song. Uh, I wish he had that sound on other songs as well, but this is the most uh, uh, 
the best vi- vibrato that he does on the album. So so uh, that's the uh, that's some cool stuff on this song. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Mark. What about you? Um, I kind of like this song. I mean, it always kind of reminded me of something that could have appeared on like a late, you know, seventies like TV show that you'd see, like some kind of like you know. Starsky and Hutch or something. You'd, you'd, you'd hear this on there, you know. Um, it, it definitely has like that kind of pacing to it, where it's very upbeat and, you know, it. it, it I don't know why. The very first time I heard it, it totally reminded me of a television show song. So, um, but I think Peter sings good. The the drumming is obviously him. You can tell a lot of the kind of stylistic playing that he does is all over it. The kind of hi hat work that he does and stuff like that, uh, which is obviously, you know, when you listen to the other songs, you can pick out, you know, easily the songs that he's not playing on because of that. But um, I think it's a, I think it's a catchy song. I think it's good that he had a song in there. I mean, we were all saying that, you know, and I agree that there should have maybe been another Peter song. But I'm thinking at the at that time his position in the band and how he was getting along with everybody. I think the last thing in the world they were going to give him is another song on this record. So I think he's lucky to even have the one on there, but I agree. I'm out of control. I think the demo that he did for that was really good. And I can only imagine how much better it would have been if they all worked on it together and turned it into a real kiss song. Yeah. Just a matter of kissifying it. All right. So wrapping up the first or the bottom third of the, Dynasty album, according to the Kiss FAQ panel. Let me just recap where we're at. X-Rise was bottom on 11 points. Boo. Um, Dirty Living scored 14 points. And in seventh place, Sure Knows Something on 16 points. And I don't feel bad about this one at all. Uh, Sure Knows Something is just saccharine, pukey, AOR, middle of the road, safe garbage that I absolutely love to pieces on MTV <laughs> Unplugged. When they did it yeah. in 96, then the song finally worked for me. And I'm like, holy mm. shit, that's a really, really good song when you think about it. And I don't know whether it's the production just kind of kills some of that emotion, but Paul just slayed that vocal um later on and i finally went oh wow i actually do like that song so again it's got to be in the something's got to be in the bottom half of this uh you know this ranking mark let's go straight back to you for sure know something yeah um i agree i think the mtv unplugged version absolutely destroys the album version i mean it, it all goes down to what you just mentioned it's all about vocal delivery like when he's doing it on the acoustic guitar vocals he's more like I've been up. He's like more rough housing the vocals, right? And when he does it on the album, he's more like, I've been up. He's more like all sappy singing it, right? So it, it definitely makes it sound that much more lighter. And then, you know, he, you have all these kind of like disco effect on the guitar, bass guitar, all the kind of chorusing and stuff. So it, it really lightened up the song if they would have stripped all that stuff away and had him sing it in more of a rougher toned voice. It would have made it for a much more catchier song i think i think that's the main problem with it is that they went for more production more than feel for this one nice ken what about your your thoughts on this yeah i mean it's about the middle of my uh list here and i always thought it was pretty good song um it was definitely different um from their normal any normal type kiss song back then um so 
yeah, it was a stretch kind of, uh, but I enjoyed the the background vocals and that sort of thing when they, you know, harmonize and I kind of like that kind of stuff. So the the disco-y, semi-disco feel of it, uh, you know, I didn't need that kind of thing. But yeah, 96, when they did it unplugged, uh, it, it uh, you know, a better realized version of the song. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a good song. Daniel. Yeah, when they recorded this one in 95, it was uh, a hell of a lot better. But uh, I still think it's a good song. Uh, and as Mark said, the vocals are a bit uh, uh, soft or sappy or whatever you call them. Uh, <laughs> uh, could have been a lot better. But um, it still sings great. And... Uh, I always listen to the bass line in this one. I think it kind of resembles uh, Detroit Rock City to some extent. Um, you start like humming the bass line, you know, do, 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 do. and uh, I really like that one. Uh, I think it's a cool bass line, much like it is in Detroit Rock City. Uh, a good bass line that really doesn't follow the chords that much. So. Uh, a good song, but in my in, on my list it was in number at number six, so I think it's 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 somewhere towards the end of the album when it comes to quality, but it's a good song. Talking of number six in sixth place on our panel ranking with seventeen points, I'm very disappointed to announce two thousand men. <laughs> Ouch. Um, I ranked this third, and everyone else had it much lower than me. So uh, let's see who ranked it lowest. Ken or Daniel? Ken or Daniel? Uh, we'll just go with Ken first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I ranked it pretty low. Um, yeah, it's another one that I didn't care for that much. Uh, but you know, it's gotten better over time. But I didn't think they needed to do it. Uh, first of all, they didn't need to do a cover. Um, Ace seemed to be writing pretty good songs around that time period I, I don't i don't even know why i think i know ace brought it in um but i was kind of surprised by it um though they did improve over the uh, rolling stone version if you ever heard the rolling stone version it's much better than rolling the rolling stone version um, which is surprising um but uh it's just not one of my favorite songs i just you know i, I can take it or leave it um but it's still it's good. I mean, it's good, but not great kind of thing. So that's why it ranks lower on my list. Daniel. Well, uh, it was a... Uh, 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 they tried to repeat the success of New York Groove from Ace's solo album and putting on a cover on the album. Uh, but that's a big minus to start things off. I think it's a cover. And... Uh, even though it's a lot better than the Rolling Stone, Stone song. <laughs> what kind of crap is that? <laughs> uh, one of the, their worst song, songs ever. So it's too kind much of, acid. Yeah, yeah, too much acid. Uh, but I, I, I think it's kind of a lazy solo. Uh, uh, cool ending with Ace screaming out, yeah, 2000. And uh, he sings well, well on this song as well. Uh, but um, nah, nothing special. So that's why I like it so much. I think Ace's vocal is absolutely fantastic on that. Yeah. The tone of the guitars is absolutely fantastic on that. And then again, what else would they have been able to perform from Ace's 
you know, you know, contributions during the tour. Um, later on, I mean, come on, yeah. hard times. They're not going to do that. Save your love. They're not going to do it. So it at least comes into the Kiss catalog and Ace's catalog as something that's very performable live. The, the version on Satanic's Majesties, ugh, Jesus. Yeah, this is certainly one case in which Ace brought this song in absolutely like this, pretty, you know, in terms of how it was realized. And he nailed it. He really kissified it or aceified it. And that, that's why I rank it third. And I've also suggested that it would be a good song to, you know, be at the top of the album rather than I Was Made. Mark, your thoughts on 2000 Man? Yeah, I mean,. I think my one problem with it is much like what the other guy said is that it's a cover song and Ace, I think at that point was really doing well with his own material. I mean, honestly, I like the other songs on the record that he wrote better than 2000 man. So I think that if he would have just put in another one of his own songs, I think it would have been even that much more stronger. Now keep in mind, I do like 2000 man. I think it's another song that they also did good on the MTV unplugged. I thought that that was mm-hmm. a pretty good uh, version of the song as well. And, you know, I, I agree. He sings it really good on, on album as well. I mean, there's not really much on my end of it to point to a negative, except just for the fact that I think that he could have did better putting his own material. I like his original material on this better than the cover. That's it. Okay. In fifth place, we have a shocker. I was made for loving you. I guess middle, <laughs> middle of the road ain't a bad place to be, especially when yeah. you get hit by traffic in both directions. Um, but 19 <laughs> points is all that I was made for loving you got. And again, I think it's a great song. It's very well crafted. It's very well structured. It's very well executed. And I think perhaps it's very much overthought and kind of shows it. I mean, it, it seems to be lacking any of that kind of emotional. It, it just happened. It's like, it's calculated. It's like a math equation. It's, <laughs> it's totally not rock and roll. It's not yeah. organic in any sense. So, you know, as far as a kiss song goes, it's a great kiss song. It's a hit all over the place. Um, and, and I'm not going to denigrate it in any way. It just compare that to love gun. No, you you can't. So, Mark, I was made for loving you. Where where did you have this one? This is your last least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you know, for me, it's just a song that I've just heard way too much. I mean, even like I said back in when I was much younger, I heard it way too much. Even back then, when it came out. But it also, when listening back to this record, the last couple of days. Um, because I have been listening to this record quite a bit, actually, even before I found out that we, that we were doing this. Um, the the thing that bothers me about this song is some of the things that we mentioned in some of the other songs. Like, I don't like that whole pew thing that they do in that little, in the breakdown section, those little firework effects that they do there in there. And the, the tom roll is kind of cheesy with the effect on it. And also, I got to say, out of all of Ace's guitar solos, this is the one that I like the least. It's very quick, and it's done before you even know it. I mean, it, it just has all the ingredients of a song that I don't really like, you know? And, I mean, sure, I, I understand from reading the book that Paul couldn't hit that middle part in full voice, so he had to do it in falsetto, but, man, did that ever really 
you know, lean it over to the disco side of things when he starts singing like that, right? Yeah, it kind of set the path towards just a boy. <laughs> Ken. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ranked four on my list, so, you know, I liked it. Um, while I didn't care for them going in that direction, um, like you said, Julian, there's not a lot of emotion attached to it. Paul said, I know I can write a disco song. I'm just going to write one. I know how they do it. It's only these certain amount of beats per minute and blah, 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 blah. You know, follow that, uh, you know method or whatever of writing uh and yeah there, i don't think there was any emotion to this song as far as he met a girl and you know he said i was made for loving you and you know kind of thing or whatever it got him we thought he thought of that you know um not like also what you said trying love gun is really you know <laughs> uh, a more kind of heavy passionate kind of you know song um so, it, otherwise than that, I mean, it's just a well-written song. That's why it was did so well, and like, and why Mark was so tired of it because I think it was like number two or two or one in Canada, I believe. And uh, yeah. though I think I really think though that you know UK always gets it right, and I think UK was like fifty or something like that. I mean, it was real low. I mean, it, it was just real low, and. Uh, and here uh, did pretty well, you know, 11, I think it was. So um, it, it's a good song. I can't negate that. It's just the way it is. Um, and that's why it's, it's ranked up high. I mean, I enjoy listening to it. I'm kind of tired of it, but it's still good. It's probably the song I would like removed from the end of the road set list the most. Uh, but in terms of chart action, yeah, number, it went to number 11 in the U.S. Australia, uh, no, Austria had number six. Australia, number two. Canada, number one. France, number three. Germany, number two. Holland, number one. Italy, 10. Norway, 10. New Zealand, number one. Sweden, 19. Switzerland, two. And the U.K., 50. Um, but... If you get a chance, go on YouTube and find some of Gene's vault uh, songs and story sections because he mocks the hell out of I Was Made For Loving You and how much he hated it. You know, he's like, well, Paul writes a love song and it's, I was made for loving you. Oh, darling, I'd hold you in my arms tonight. And Gene's like, I was made for loving you. I gotta take you. Log in the fireplace. Um, You know, that, that kind of attitude. So... You know, it, it's very funny, and he hates this song. So just know that while Paul's out on his mini stage, Gene is suffering. Daniel, your thoughts on the song? Well, well, you really have to listen to the Hot in the Shade version, uh, you know, from the Hot in the Shade tour or from the Revenge tour to those uh, versions give justice to this song. It's really, it's, it has the possibility of being a real rocker live. Nowadays, I'm not so sure, but back in the 90s, it sounded terrific. Um, and it was kind of a, a revelation for me to hear that one live. Uh, I never thought of it as such a good song. But when I heard it uh, in the 90s live, I really heard the potential of the song. And it's really good live. Uh, but this version on Dynasty, again, with the album... It sounds so soft, 
And I think uh, you mentioned it, uh, Mark, uh, the, the, the drum rolls sounds like he's hitting buckets. <laughs> it's almost as bad as, as that Metallic album, Saint Anger, uh, the drum sound. It sounds horrible. And that kind of kills the song for me on this album. But I still, I had it in, in, in fourth place. Yeah, calling the percussion on St. Anger drums is a crime against drums. Um, yeah, so we actually had a tie. There's another song on 19 points, but I decided to put that in fourth place just because I'm, I'm utterly biased and I have a fake news agenda. So in number fourth place on 19 points also, Save Your Love, which is, of course, the best Ace Fairly song ever written. Um, no, I, I I love it. That's why I put it ahead of I Was Made For Loving You. Um, it's it's the one song I had been waiting and waiting and waiting for Ace to do live, and it's probably the high point for Kiss Cruise 8 for me that he finally did do it live. And, you know, it's just a shame. You know, they go out on tour in 1979 for The Return of Kiss, and I Was Made For Loving You is in the set, and 2000 Man's in the set. There's a lot of other good songs on this album that didn't get a shout live, which and this is one of them um though i don't know how well that would work in terms of how it stylistically is compared to the rest of the kiss set so um i love save your love i love playing it on guitar when i'm in that kind of kissy mood i'm always going to hit those riffs and start singing it and you know glad it's in fourth place simply as a tiebreaker over i was made for loving you ace you got it uh daniel save your love uh, yeah, it's also a favorite from the from this album. I had it in third place, and um, it's like it would have put fit fitted perfectly on the Ace Frehley solo album a year earlier, because uh, it's as good as his best songs on that album. I think, you know, "Rip It Out," "Speeding Back to My Baby," and those kind of songs. Uh, this is in the same vein, and I really like it. Uh, and Ace, as he's done, he does on every song on this album, sings his heart out. I, I think he sings real well. Uh, people say he's singing better now than ever. It's not true. This was his, uh, you know, uh, pinnacle when it comes to singing. I think uh, the, the drum parts makes me think of another album. And this time it's not Saint Anger. This time it's an old Wasp album. If you've ever heard like Crimson Idol. Mm. Where yeah. Blackie had this crazy drummer who made a lot of drum rolls, and in this song, Anton Figs go, goes kind of crazy. What? That was Frankie Benali on Crimson. Yeah, Man. maybe, it, maybe it was yeah. Frankie. Yeah, uh, but but drum rolls uh, and you know the, you can really tell it's not Peter on 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 the. I think it's on the chorus. It does almost like it. It sounds like he has uh, double kick drums or something. Um, a really fast song and it's kind of a metal song this one uh and uh, one of my favorites as well mark what are your thoughts on save your love um well i don't know i i don't mind this song but just i think and this is really being nitpicky i think but i just didn't like i never liked that really low voice in the chorus that happened there, save your love. I was like, it's just, ugh. on headphones, it really bothers me hearing that. I mean, that's like I said, that's just being really nitpicky, but um, it, it's not a bad song. I mean, again, in comparison to the three that he has on there, um, 
I like I like Hard Times much better, but it's still it's still a good song, and I I agree there. He sings good on this. Um, I think this time period is probably his best vocal time. This and even on uh, Unmasked, I think he's really good on there too. He's he wrote a lot of good stuff, and he's singing really good on that as well. Um, but you know, it, it it's just a matter of you know you have to pick something. One like you said before, something has to be in first place, something has to be in last place, right? Um, to me, I I do like his original stuff always better than the covers, but I do think though for some reason this is my least favorite of the three songs that he's done on the record. Interesting. Well, Ken, you rank this the lowest, and according to your <laughs> ranking, you hate Save Your Love. I, I don't hate it. Actually, I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> actually, the last I, uh, the last three songs in my list could be interchangeable, up and down. Um, you know, it, it changes from time to time what I like better or, or not on this album anyway. So, But, yeah, I put it as at the bottom, and... It's still a good song. I mean, I enjoy it. The lead guitar solo in that is pretty darn good. Um, Mark's, Mark's saying about that, that low voice thing kind of thing. Yeah, it was kind of goofy. I think it was a precursor to The Elder or something like that. <laughs> that part, yeah, something from, you know, anyway, Under the Rose or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> uh, right, yeah. So, you know, um, it's good. Uh, you know, it's bottom for me, but it's still a good song. It's still a good song. Yeah, it's all relative. You know, bottom ranking Kiss song on an album. We're still, yeah. we're still talking about it for 15 minutes. Yeah. All right, let's go into third place <laughs> on 20 points. Hard Times, B-side to the um, I Was Made For Loving You single. I actually prefer the single version of that. It's a different mix, mm. and it's got the proper ending, and it came out on the Casablanca singles uh, yeah, box that's... set a few years ago. Um, I, I, that was the part that made me happy, is that it was a, on the CD single. I was like, okay, great, digital copy of that, finally, after many years. You know, as, as far as a song goes, I ranked this second from bottom. And again, I'm going to use Ken's logic um, that something had to be down at the bottom. And there's just songs I prefer. But if we were going to do this ranking tomorrow, I bet every single one of us would have a different listing than we did today. So it, it's simply a matter of I don't happen to care for it. But I think it's also having a song like Dirty Living and Hard Times on the same album is probably a, a bit too much real for Kiss to handle yeah you know especially as they started to go more into the seven-year-old demographic at this point so you know a bit too straight but it's a fantastic song love it when ace does it live enjoy it now a heck of a lot more than i did when i first heard it on the album so it's one that has grown on me uh daniel hard times yeah i had it in number five uh at number five uh, and the drum the drum uh, feel in the beginning is really uncharacteristic for uh, Peter Chris, so you can hear instantly that it's someone else doing the drumming, and uh, it sounds like again something from Ace's record in '78. Perfect song for Ace, plain rocker, exactly what you want and uh, and want to, exactly what you want to hear from Ace. Um, but I. I'm nagging about this, I know, but but uh, but uh, I could do without the whistles, and you know that cheesy instrument. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. 
some sound they add it sounds really bad and um, but uh, then you have some cool echo effect on his screams so it's a really good song but once again you said that it was such a great sounding album that's why I have to nitpick on everything I don't like about uh, the way this album sounds just they went a little bit overboard when it comes to 70s effects I think fair enough Ken your thoughts on hard times yeah hard times I ring the Rick very high so it's a very good song again I was like I said I played that that b-side single and yeah I agree that the single version is better uh, and a better ending um, than the album version. I kind of remember missing it when I heard it on the album. Like, well, wait a minute, they took. <laughs> it's not the same. Um, uh, yeah, this this I got used to listening to the single version. So it's a great song. I just think of that. If any song sounds like New York, that one really sounds like New York to me. Um, definitely. Uh, and it's a great, it's a great song. I I love it. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, um, I I totally agree. I I love the single version of it as well. Um, and I think Asa, you know, sings it really well. I think the guitar playing is really good on this song as well. Um, I agree that the whistle is a little tacky in there, um, and some of the you know. I'm not sure if the the effects that they were trying in was just their attempt at trying to become more current or more uh, up-to-date, because on a lot of other different records, that was happening too. A lot of people were using whistles and, you know, vibra slaps and all kinds of different kind of effects to, you know, I guess for ear candy sake. But, you know, <laughs> Kiss is a band that I think people are more used to Sounding like rock and roll over, like that, which is my favorite record. You know, more raw, not really relying on kind of trickery like that. Just playing their stuff loud and getting it on tape, right? Um, but you know, it it's a good song, Hard Times. I think that you know this is kind of uh, like you mentioned uh, Ace's version of Dirty Living, like his story put the music, right? Kind of like what Peter did with his song, right? Um, and I agree, though, being that they were trying to go for the super kiss, you know, let's appeal to families now as opposed to just, you know, guys. Maybe that wasn't the best lyrical topic to put on a record, but I think it's a good song. Nice. Okay, so in, I guess, in second place, despite my best efforts by having this as my least favorite song on the album... While you guys talk nicely about Magic Touch, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go bang my head against the wall. Um, I have never liked this. I was thrilled, though, when Paul performed it in 2006 as part of his solo tour because it was a deep cut that he pulled out of the closet, literally. Um, and that's really all I can say positive about it. I'm glad he performed it live. And it's just so fucking gaggy. Oh, no. I, I mean, appealing to the moms. I mean, all I see is like mom jeans in my head right now. It's like uh, crossing over into AOR safety. Magic touch. No, I want Gene to come in and co-write this and get a fucking log in the fireplace. Because it's just... Uh, Ken, your thoughts on magic touch? Uh, well, 
I like the song. I think it's good, <laughs> even though it's appealing to moms or whatever. Um, you know, it's just a great, well-written song. A really good chorus. Paul sings it. Fantastic, you know, uh, fantastic vocal. And yes, when he did it live, I think it was again a lot of their songs again always sound better live. Um, you know, they're they're more realized um, that way. Um, so that one when he did it live. Uh, on his solo tour it was just fantastic um and i i couldn't believe that it could it could be better than it was already on the album so it's a good very good song again i, I would have made it the second single um that's what i would have done with it so song again fair enough daniel magic touch well i had it in second place so i think it's classic paul stanley uh, the song is much in the same vein as uh, Hide Your Heart or uh, A Million to One. You know, those songs, not really a ballad, but uh, not really a rocker either, somewhere in between. Right. Uh, it's a perfect mix between rock and a ballady sound. Kind of a soft song at times. You know, he has the falsetto singing in this one as well, uh, but it never gets wimpy, you know. Uh, it's very well thought out it's varied, it has different parts uh, and uh, it's good that we have uh, the live version on Live to Win, win the, the DVD uh, because that's a good one So uh, I think it has every ingredients to, to, that makes up a, a good song, a good Paul Stanley song, uh, I really like this one Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean in terms of falsetto and his singing it's certainly better than my way um, Mark uh yeah i i had a number one it's still my favorite song off this record mainly because i really loved the riffs in this i mean this is one of those examples where you were saying julian that you you know take out your guitar and play you know to save your love when you get a chance and you're in the mood sometimes when i'm you know playing on my guitar and just working on something every once in a while that riff will just come out of me i just think it sounds really cool and especially if you you know played down a tone like i play on my guitars it sounds so much more heavier too right the song has the potential if you were to approach it from that way to be a much more heavier song if approached that way right so uh, there we go he's going to be rocking it out now um but yeah i think that it's 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 a, it's a very catchy song. A lot of the guitar parts in there are very strong, I think. I think the vocals are very good. Uh, yeah, the the lyrical content is typical Paul Syrup in this. But, you know, we, what do we expect really from Paul at this point? I mean, a lot of his songs are down this path. If we even get this more of the same on the next record, too, right? So, um, but I, I think from a guitar player's point of view... I think that's one of the reasons why it hook, lined, and synchroned me was because I really thought that those riffs were outstanding in there. And I love the way that the drums play with it. Something that Peter Chris obviously didn't drum on here because I love the interplay between the rhythm guitar and the guitar playing. And that's something, uh, I mean, the drumming and the rhythm guitar playing, uh, that's something that they do in Kiss, but this is a little bit stronger example of it. Yeah, I think Paul's probably going in the right direction in terms of his kind of poppy um, undertones, which I think are fully realized on Unmasked with Tomorrow. 
you know mm-hmm. we'll, have, we'll have to do a you know album refocused episode on that you know probably in may because that's also yeah. the anniversary month for unmasked but for me i think tomorrow is just superior in every single way in terms of its balance its vocal delivery uh the musical underlying track and the production mm-hmm. whereas this one because he goes into the stratosphere in some parts it's it's almost like he's stretching himself a little bit too much just for my personal taste it's a good song uh, but you know there we are all right so let's recap where we're at before we get to the kiss of panel's favorite song off dynasty and from least favorite to favorite in ninth place x-ray eyes eighth dirty living Seven, sure knows something. Six, two thousand man. Five, I was made for loving you. Four, save your love. Three, hard times. Two, magic touch, which leaves. In uh, <coughs> our favorite song is charisma, which uh, Mark, tell <laughs> tell me about charisma because Project Gemini has of course recorded a cover of this. Yeah, actually, uh, <clears throat> it's one of those songs that definitely. Uh, stuck in my mind the very first time I heard it. Um, again, a really strong riff, very simple, but so catchy. I mean, a lot of Gene's best songs are like that, you know. Uh, the, you know, you just think of st- songs like, you know, the Calling Dr. Love or, you know, anything along those lines that just has a real simple guitar playing in it. As long as it's uh, it doesn't have, doesn't have to be complicated to be catchy, you know. The the less complicated, the better. And I think this song definitely has that. And I really like the the singing in this. That's one of the things that caught my attention on this was uh, the vocals in this. I, I really liked it, and I thought that it would be something that would be a bit of a challenge for me to do on there as well. And I also like Ace's solo. It's uh, typically Ace, but it has a couple of little things in there that are not too common in there. That bend that he does. At in the, the very beginning, is a really strange how he just bends it, bends it, bends it, bends it, bends it. It's just like really not his kind of style of doing it, but it really suits it really well. I think it's a fantastic song, and I think that the production suits this song really good. The drums sound really punchy and catchy on here. Just everything about this to me uh, just just screams catchy song. And you know, if they would have put it out as a single. I think that they wouldn't have did too bad with it. I mean, didn't they end up making like some sort of a television appearance with this in Mexico or something? Didn't they? Yeah, 1981. That was what they lip synced because yeah. it lip synced, yeah, kind of been popular there, I believe. So, you know, mm. and and it's much for those same things that you said. You know, the first time I heard this, just the chugging rhythm of it, I just, mm-hmm. it, I I think it's much more kind of dancey than I was made for loving you. It's just I always get going with this song. This is the one song that was always on my deep cut list for Gene to do until he went out on his solo tour. And when I heard Simple Type, which you know this is was developed out of, you hear that same sort of. Mm. chunking rhythm I, I i just love it to pieces i mean mark and i both had this uh, as our second favorite song um ken you you and daniel both had it as your favorite song on the album uh ken why um it's simple it's it is simple like like mark said and lots of times you know that's the best best songs i mean 
even something like you could go down the road with you know lick it up that's a very simple song and it, it, it does did very well um mm-hmm. um yeah and gene songs gene just has a knack for writing great little riffs and uh this song and his vocal that went along with it just are just perfect um and it's it's you know it wasn't it's not your typical gene song it doesn't sound like any other gene song really um but you know it's him it's his name you know he's all over it um uh you know with his lyrics of course (laughs) and and then the the lead guitar the ace freely uh guitar solo is again like he does with uh, lots of you know he seems to write very good lead guitar uh solos for gene songs i don't know what it is but you know, Dr. Love, again, is, you know, of course, probably the best guitar solo uh, done for a, a single kind of thing, um, in my opinion. But the Charisma uh, guitar solo is fantastic. Another great, memorable, again, memorable solo. Uh, so the, the whole song works for me. It just just from beginning to end, it's just, I never get tired of it. All right, Daniel, wrap us up with your thoughts on Charisma, and then we'll just do quick uh, two quick final questions. Okay, well, you like playing Magic Touch, and I like playing... <laughs> I mean, it's so cool to play this one, and it's pretty easy to sing the verses because they're pretty low, and I like the contrast between... Uh, <laughs> Gene going kind of into demon mode during mm-hmm. the uh, verses, and then the, the the choruses are almost like a child song, something like <laughs> "Are You Sleeping, Brother John?" or something. I kind of it's it's kind of a fun song. It's not it's 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 good. It's a real good song. It's funny at the same time because um, the lyrics are totally hilarious. Of course, typical typically tongue in, Gene. Tongue in cheek. Yeah, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's a lot to like about this song, and it sticks. Up, um, it stands out uh, from from the rest on, on the album because it's. Uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of like, as you said, as Doctor Love. I mean, simple riff, um, but you can I, I mean, it's so catchy. You 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 remember it instantly, and. Uh, uh, I really loved the way it sounded when he played it uh, live uh, with his solo band. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to hear it at least once live. That's cool. I totally geeked out in Edmonton when they did it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, and that was a short set, so if that had not been there, I would have feel like a mm. real butt munch going all the way there and not hearing anything cool. All right, so let's wrap up with two question, more final questions about this album. And it's basically, you know, revolves around if they did a 40th anniversary, uh, mm. you know, vinyl package or, you know, digital or whatever, you know, number one, what color vinyl would you want this to be in? And number two, what would you like to see on the package? So, uh, Ken, let's start with you on that. Yeah, well, if they did a vinyl, a vinyl color, and which they may do because uh, the way they're releasing things, um, as long as they don't do it like the current Kiss <laughs> album. Uh, then it'll be fine. So I was thinking, I mean, there was a red pipe version in the old days, um, but I don't want red. So maybe some red in it. 
I was thinking maybe white, white, stark white with red in it, you know, red swirl or something like in the white. Um, otherwise, also in the package, maybe, you know, you do the posters, an alternate poster with the, with the. Uh, straight jackets. Uh, yeah, straight jackets. Uh, also put in two, one or two singles or put one single that's a colored vinyl. But what you do on it, you, you put, make it a, it could be a, a, the longer version of I was made for loving you and a longer version of on your, uh, uh, living on, on the other side kind of thing. Interesting. I mean, uh, it's funny that you mentioned white vinyl because when they did the originals box in, what was it 1999 in Japan? It, oh, it was white vinyl. Right. I, ha- I, I think I have that. Yeah, you're right. I think it is white vinyl. So, <laughs> and, and it, <laughs> what do you know? And Germany issued back in Belafon days in 79. They had the red vinyl version. So, yeah, I, I kind of like yeah. that, you know. And, of course, Germany also did a pink vinyl pressing of the I Was Made for Loving You single. So I'm going <laughs> to, that's my color. Mm-hmm. If they do it on vinyl, translucent pink just like that single was and it's you know, interesting and they had they had different shades obviously from the variants in in the pressing but i i love that like hot pink kind of translucent pink that they did so i would also want peter's demos if they were recorded for this yeah, album they're gonna do you know put those on put the 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 extended remixes of dirty living charisma and I was made for loving you. And I always remember way back when Alex Carranza had the FAQ. He was asked about Dynasty when the remasters were coming out, and mm-hmm. had said that he had heard a whole bunch of different versions of mm-hmm. um, I was made for loving you. So I, I wouldn't mind some of those. And also Ace has said that he he recorded two different versions of 2000 Man. One with a more new wave-ish kind of style, mm-hmm. or maybe. You know, whatever sure. the other version was that he demoed, put that on. And then, of course, uh, get those two demos of Gene songs from the Vols and put them on. I think you have a really good deluxe package. Um, you know, so those on CD, the vinyl pressing, and uh, Bob's Your Uncle. you got a really fucking cool album to celebrate the 40th anniversary of what is essentially a double platinum album by this point, more than likely. Daniel. Well, uh... I'm not buying the same Kiss music once again just because it's on <laughs> yellow or blue or green <laughs> color. I will never do that. So what I'm looking for is new stuff that hasn't been, been hasn't been released. Mm. So, uh, so the demos, the Peter Chris demos in mint condition would be great to hear. Um, other other renditions of the uh, songs, of course. Uh, anything like that would be cool to hear. But just putting up the same old, same old once again on a cool-looking disc, it's not for me. But I do respect that there are other KISS fans that buy the same stuff over and over again. That's why we get it, you know. That's why we get the same stuff all the time. <laughs> well, fortunately, the Peter Chris demos do circulate in pristine condition. Um, but I'd still like to actually buy them properly. That's always nice. Mark, what, what would your thoughts be on a 40th anniversary edition? Well, you know me and my uh, love of these kind of ultra deluxe sets like I have in my collection with my King Crimson stuff. And that's kind of like what I would hope they can do with this, which I know they won't. But, you know, do the vinyl like you guys said, you know, do do the singles and stuff like that. 
But more than that, I kind of agree with what Daniel said. Let's put in something, you know, that's not so common, you know, put in maybe like a like a couple of DVDs. And things. I love how they had those boxes now they have the vinyl and they have CDs in with it as well now where you can put in like, you know, a couple of DVDs of some shows that they might have on that they have recorded from some of the tours. I know Dynasty Tour isn't exactly their finest hour, but still, you know, there, there were probably a couple of decent shows that they could put on there, you know, and they were doing some of the solo material there, so it might not be might be nice to have a uh, nice, a better uh, looking footage of a concert from then too, right? And then you had, you had some of those things circling around too, where they had the makings of the record, you know, that gargantuan twelve hour thing that I saw on YouTube once, where they're going through all those songs, but not obviously oh, keep yeah. it that long, but just you know, do like a real edited version of some of the makings of and stuff like that. Cause I know that people are into that as well. Like how the songs were created and how they sounded when they were first made and stuff like that. There's, there's so much potential for this kind of stuff for bands to do. And I'm happy that a lot of my bands that I'm into do that now, but I'm always saddened by the fact that Kiss is one of the bands that are always late to this party. Like, come on, man, give us some ultra deluxe boxes with some concerts and some, unheard stuff like we know you have it just come on like put it out there <laughs> yeah so mark's really saying that he wants 12 hours of teaching demos <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right let's leave that there this is 90 minutes and that's more than enough for one album all right so if you've stuck with us this far you know chime in with you know what is your favorite song off this album give us your track order what would you like as a uh, deluxe edition were kiss to actually do a deluxe edition and you know with how these vinyl pressings are coming out we've just had the kiss alive or kiss 45 um marble edition come out you know that there are more coming so you know what color would you like dynasty and i'm not too sure about matt covers that that I didn't realize when I ordered yeah. mine. So uh, I'm I'm at least glad that I waited until way way it's after okay. everyone else because now they may actually cherry pick a nice barbellish one to send me, <clears throat> or I'll get a return and it'll be a solid white thing with one, <laughs> one dot, one black dot. All right, that's it for this week, um, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. So uh, thank you for listening and. Uh, from Ken, from Daniel, from Mark and myself. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.